the Links and Locks podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Links and Locks podcast. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet, joined as always on this part of the Links and Locks pod with my friend Len Hochberg from RotoWire. We're going to break down everything from a fantasy perspective for this week's American Express event out in Palm Springs. Give me your favorite OAD plays, you know, those one and done pools, the office pools, maybe your fantasy lineup. Your DFS plays, of course, we will make a DFS lineup in a little bit. So that's kind of what we're looking to do every week here on this part of the podcast. But first, Len, how are you? Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a great weekend. And I hope you're doing a little better than Russell Henley right now, who blew a five shot lead with nine holes to play, lost in the playoff to Hideki Matsuyama at the Sony Open on Sunday. As great as that three wood from 277 was, and it was getting goosebumps just thinking about it again, you know, just had to be uh, heartbroken for for Henley, Uh, you know, comes into the final round with the lead, shoots 29 going out 65 for the day. He was second or third in the field in strokes gained approach, tee to green and putting. That would win you 99.5% of the time. You know, Hideki won the tournament, but Henley deserved better. Yeah, I still think, I mean, when the epitaph of the 2022 Sony Open is written, I still think it's Hideki Matsuyama won this event and then followed by Russell Henley lost it, not the other way around. But still, that's a tough pill to swallow for Russell Henley. He'll get back out there this week at the Amex. And I want to get right into it because this is an event that over the years, some long shots have won it. Andrew Landry two years ago was 200 to one. Three players over the past decade, Len, haven't even had individual betting odds going into the event. They've been part of the field bet, which doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, now that we've got more books and legalized gambling, I, I think that every player is going to have a number next to his name from now on. If you want to bet on him, you'll be able to. But in the past, we've had, I believe it was Mark Wilson back in 2012. Patrick Reed in 2014, before he was a big name, and Adam Long just three years ago, all of whom didn't have individual numbers. I mean, I know that sounds crazy now, but uh, that's the case. And so I think it causes us to look at some of those long shots maybe this week, and I think we can maybe base our fantasy plays around this. Uh, Let's just start from a uh, a general perspective, Len. So we've got John Rahm, number one in the world, the obvious tournament favorite this week. He won here back in 2018. I'm a little wary of him. The fact that he hasn't played here in two years, there's always a reason why uh, if a player has left an event that he's played well at, there's always got to be a reason. There's a reason why he's coming back, and you're not sure which one's the right reason, whether you should play him or not. Patrick Cantley was runner-up here last year. Uh, he is the only other top 10 player in the world who is here. There are three other top 20 players in Tony Finau, Scotty Scheffler, and Abraham Answer, but it's a very top-heavy field. Are you looking at some of these big names this week, or are you going further down the board and trying to play another long shot? I mean, I hate to invoke the, the, the name Tiger Woods, but I mean, every time John Rahm tees it up now, he's top 10 or close to it. 
it's almost hard to turn away from him any week. And some of the other guys, and what, what makes it even more challenging with the names you mentioned, just about all of them, not only are they the top guys in the field, but they all have a very good track record here. Cantlay was second. And, um, you know, Sung Jim, who is just outside of the, he's had a 10th and a 12th and, and Tony Finau had a fourth. Um, so they all have a lot coming in here. But with the American Express, when we're going to see it in the 20s, 23, maybe 25 win, mm-hmm. I, I think that just when the scores get that high, it just brings more guys into play. I mean, the really tough tracks, maybe we're a seven under or eight under. I think then you really have to focus on a few guys, the best guys. But it seems like on these courses, stadium course and all of PGA West and La Quinta, anyone can get hot and go 61, 62 and come away with the tournament. And that's what happened when Wilson, Adam Long win. So I think we really have to open it up this week, even with those guys here. Okay, we'll get further down the board. I want to ask a more specific question here. If you can have only one of them in any fantasy-type format this week, and I, I, I will give you my opinion on this, and it might not be the same as yours, but if you can only have one, John Robb or Patrick Cantley, which guy are you leaning towards? My answer is to just sort of say Cantley just because it's so obvious to say Rom to almost any golf question these days. And I just have so many visions lately of, Patrick Cantley just sinking every putt he has to make. And you have to make a lot of putts this week. So um, he was second here last year. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that, Len. So for two reasons, I, don't get me wrong. Rom is not a fade for me, but I like Cantley a little bit better. The first is what I mentioned earlier. So John Rom won this event in 2018, came back in 2019. He was top 10, then didn't play the last two years. And so you think, There's a reason why he's had some really good results. There's a reason why I don't know what that reason is. There's a reason why he stopped playing this event. There's a reason why he's coming back to this event. Maybe they're not the same reason, but I don't know that I'm necessarily targeting John Rom based on the fact that I, you know, I don't know exactly what his motivation is this week. And the other part of that is John Rom tends to play his best golf when the other elite level players in the world are also there. In the last year, I believe in his last 20 starts, John Rahm has missed the cut in three events. None of those have been major championships. None of those have been big events where a lot of the other world's best players have been there. It's been the Wells Fargo Championship. It was the Fortinet Championship earlier this season and the Estrella Dam Masters in Spain where he missed the damn cut. So uh, those are three events that aren't, littered with big name players. And yet John Rahm, who was the obvious favorite in all of those showed up and didn't reach the weekend. It seems to me that maybe at times John Rahm, when he's not playing in a big tournament, when he's not playing against the world's best players, doesn't quite have the motivation that he needs to. And look, that's okay. That's, that's hardly a criticism. We have to dig deep to find criticisms of John Rahm these days. If that's the only thing we can find, it is not a major criticism that, uh, a couple times a year at smaller events, he shows up and doesn't play his best golf. Uh, okay, I don't know. I'd rather he plays his best golf at the big events anyway. But uh, there is some a little bit of a trend to suggest that he might not have his best stuff this week in an inferior field. And he also is coming up to Torrey Pines, which is uh, admittedly for him, one of his favorite places to play might be thinking ahead and that would be understandable as well. All right, let's get a little bit further down the board. And as we look at the odds, and of course 
I always encourage people, whether, whether you're looking at odds from a betting perspective, whether you're just playing fantasy, it, it helps to look at those numbers. I think even if you're, I'm just in the usual office pool or I'm just in a one and done. So why do I have to look at odds? I'm not betting this week. So I don't really have to look at those. I still think that that really helps you uh, helps make up your mind, helps, uh, helps you look at what some other players are looking like might, might help you figure out what ownership will be like in any other format based on what the odds could be. So we look a little bit deeper and Len, we find some players such as uh, Scotty Scheffler, not that far down the line. We find Sanjay M at 18 to one, Taylor Gooch, Tony Finau, Corey Connors, Abraham Answer, Seamus Power, Matthew Wolf. Those are guys that are uh, sub 30 to one this week. We'll get into DFS in a few minutes, but for one and done purposes, is there a name that sticks out to you as a guy who you really like this week that has some good win equity? You know, you know, one thing I see in one and done pools and the, the one I happen to be in only we play, we started up last week and we go about 32 tournaments. Mm-hmm. So let's say even if you play the entire PGA tour season, 40, 41, something like that, I don't know, opposite field events could be plus or minus two or three more. You're not going that deep into the PGA tour. Now, you know, you only have to pick, let's say 40 guys for the whole season. You don't have to find and then not. Apologies to Adam Shank. You don't have to find Adam Shank and say, okay, it's it's early in the season. I don't want to burn a good guy. I'm going to go with someone who's 80 in the world or 90 or something. Yeah, you might have to do that in the John Deere or something like that. So I don't think you ever have to go too far deep uh, in, a, in, a, in a one and done pool. Uh, for the entire season. So yeah, I am looking in that range where uh, to use the DraftKings prices as a guide in the upper nines, the mid nines, the lower nines, like you were saying, Gooch and Power and Wolf and Answer. And I'm focusing there. And um, I guess if you're asking me one guy, and I, and I think you were, um, I was I was looking at Abraham Answer, and it's kind of funny because Abraham Answer, you know, not many people go to Hawaii and have a terrible time, but I think Abraham Answer just did. Uh, he was 35th out of 38 uh, in the Tournament of Champions. Then he missed the cut at the uh, at the Sony, so not great. Uh, and it's kind of hard to go back to a guy right after that, but he's really good, and I think we think that that's probably an aberration and he's played well in this tournament multiple times before. So um, leaning toward him of all those guys that I just mentioned, but I do like them all in some, on some level. Yeah. I, I think that you can make a case for any one of those names that I mentioned the top 10 or 12 guys on the board. The one that really sticks out to me this week, Len is Matthew Wolf. And I, I do believe that some one and done poolers can get, a little bit of an edge on their fellow uh, competitors by looking at past results and saying, I'm not chasing those guys who have played really well in the past. I I would expect Adam Hadwin to be the type of guy who's 32nd last year in the four previous years, he was top six, including a pair of runner up finishes. That's going to be a lot of the people that maybe they're not watching golf on a very serious base, not watching every day, not, betting and so they're just kind of looking at like oh who plays well here every year oh adam hadwin there it goes okay i'll pick him whereas i I think you can find a little bit of an edge a little bit lower ownership on guys who haven't necessarily played well at this event matthew wolf hasn't done anything too special in two previous starts but he's a guy that makes birdies and bunches we know as you mentioned uh scores are going to be somewhere in the 25 under range for the winner and the contenders 
this week. He's 11th on the PGA Tour this season so far in birdie average. And so he's a guy that I really like. I, I like him this entire year. I think it's going to be a, a huge comeback year for Wolf. I think by the end of the year, he's going to be top 10 in the world ranking. He's going to play on the U.S. President's Cup team. He's going to contend for another major championship. I think he's that kind of talented. And so uh, I would like to jump on, first of all, that 28 to one number from a betting perspective, but I am going to take advantage of where he is uh, in the fantasy market as well. So uh, we can start getting into DFS as well. I, we haven't really gotten into uh, some of these lower price guys, but when you're looking at DraftKings this week, and like you said, maybe not guys you're necessarily diving into from OAD perspective, but when you're looking further down the board on DraftKings this week, who are some of the names that you're looking at saying, well, there's really good value on them? Because I, I can tell you, Len, I've got a whole list of names based on long shots winning here seemingly year after year that I'm going to go after. This guy isn't too far down from where we were talking about, but I, I feel like mentioning the Ricky Fowler at 8,500. He's played well here the past two years, even when he wasn't playing well everywhere else. I mean, every year now, it seems going to be at the beginning of the year. Here we go again. Fowler has to turn it around now, right? And I don't know if he will. I don't know if he will, but he's, he's playing better. He played a little better in the fall. 21st here last year, 10th even the year before. As you mentioned, Adam Hadwin at 7,900. I also like Brian Harmon at 7,900. He just really had a great first half of 2021, not a good second half of 2021, not even a great start last week at the, home, at the Sony. But uh, he's got four top 21s here in the past five years. He plays this track well. It's not long, which, which helps him. I, I do like him at 79. Michael Thompson at 75. Um, mm, sure. I kind of wish he didn't play well last week at the Sony. How can I say this? It's hard enough to play well one week in a row to expect, uh, you know, a medium range player to go back to back good weeks in a row. But he does play well here. And even going down a little bit more, I, you know, I'm very impressed with Hayden Buckley. There are so many good guys coming up from the Corn Ferry Tour. We really see more every year. It seems like they can come in and play right away. And he had a good week again uh, last week. He just missed another, uh, he missed another top 10 last week. Uh, and he had two in the fall season, 23rd in greens and regulation on tour. I mean, that's going to help you a ton this week. So these are some guys uh, I'm looking at. He's even good in par five scoring, which I, I put a lot of weight on this week. Uh, you're going to have to make your birdies, or if not Eagles, nothing longer than 560, I think, at the stadium course. Uh, and he's... 39th in par five scoring. Um, these guys aren't going to play well every week, but uh, I do like them this week. All right, Len, you ready to get weird? Things are going to get real weird up in here in a second, because I, I think this is a week where I'm, I'm kind of throwing some stuff up against the wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, I, I will get progressively weirder as I name some of these names, but started out at uh, 8,000 on DraftKings uh, in this middle of the t middle of the pack, middle tier Luke list is a guy who just turned 37 years old a couple days ago. I am on the record as stating that Luke List will win for the first time on the PGA Tour this year. He's a really talented player. He's been talented for a long time. He's had some injuries and some other little reasons why maybe he hasn't reached his full potential over the years, but I do like him. And anytime he's in a field such as this one where he can kind of step on the range and go, all right, there's only a handful of guys here that I think are probably better than me, but I can look at most of the guys and say, I can hang with them. I think it's a good thing 
for a player like Luke List, a uh, good thing for his confidence. So I like him. Doug Gim finished in fifth place here a year ago, 7,500. Nice, solid player. I, I like him this week. And then we're going to start getting into it. Patrick Rogers, I can get down with at 7,300. I'm all right with that. Uh, and now we start getting into, all right, maybe my favorite name on the board this week because I'm looking at value. I'm looking at potential. I'm looking at a young player who was all everything as a collegian when he played at Pepperdine. He's a California kid. I think he's going to pop. And if he's going to pop, I think he pops somewhere in his home state of California. This feels like a really good week for Sahith Thigala. If you don't know the name, get used to it. This guy's going to be a superstar on the PGA Tour. I don't know if it's going to happen this year or if it happens in 2024, but at some point it's going to happen. I'm going to take a big swing and say that, I love him this week for top 10 type plays. I think there's a lot of value in the DFS marketplace moving a little bit further down. Len, I told you it's going to get weird. Trey Mullinax, tons of talent, 6,300 on DraftKings. Brandon Hagee is another guy that hits the crap out of the ball. He was 21st at this event last year. I'll give you one more. If the wind blows, Kevin Tway is a really good wind player. He's missed the cut in three previous starts here. He's 6,500. I get it. These guys have not exactly been knocking the door down, trying to win tournaments and contend for events recently. But one of the reasons why I'm bringing up some of these lower priced guys in DraftKings land is because not only have some long shots won, as I mentioned, but I think this week with three guaranteed rounds for these guys as the Pro-Am format comes back into play. They did not have the Pro-Am format due to COVID last year. La Quinta wasn't used. It was only a two-course rotation with the Nicholas tournament course and the stadium course at PGA West this year, all three courses are back. And so you're guaranteed 54 holes. So I think you can take a little chance with some of those players, maybe even put them in a lineup together. And then you can load up on Rom and Cantley at the top or a Matthew Wolf or whoever else you might like. I've actually made a few lineups already where I've gone very top heavy and bottom heavy. So I don't think that's a bad strategy. What do you think about that this week, Len? And what do you think about events like this one where you're getting a guaranteed three rounds from players? Do you want to take more of a chance on some lower priced guys or does it not necessarily affect how you're picking them? No, it's, it's a huge difference. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought it up because it's certainly, uh, it's certainly on my radar to the fact that you get 54 holes the cut might be a little bit less than 65. It depends how many guys make are, are bunched up there. They, but yeah, I think you can absolutely go low and hope for the best. I mean, plus, you know, there are going to be a lot of those 6,000 guys. We look at them individually and we go, no, he's not going to make the putt. He's not going to make the cut. But if you, at the end of the tournament, we look back, there are a lot of 6,000 guys make the cut every week. It's just mm-hmm. math. Um, so yeah, we just have to uh, identify them. And um, when you have 54 holes, um, you know, you, you want to get six for six through to the finish every week and probably in a tournament uh, GPP game, you have to even even this week. But maybe in a cash game, you might if you have good enough other five other players, you might be able to win something uh, if you only get five of six through the weekend. And so a Trey Mullinax, who happens to have been here and made three cuts here, he's not been great lately but he is three for three in cuts here you get him through yeah and he's also you know he's a big hitter good good on par fives absolutely take a chance here the margin is is different with 54 holes and i think it's it's definitely worth to go for a gamble into the low sixes you can load up at the top 
it's obviously always more beneficial. I think uh, the way the points are borne out to have a player who makes, if you're going to have someone that shoots even part to have a player who makes nine birdies and nine bogeys, as opposed to one that makes 18 bars in, in, in DFS. And so uh, this week being 54 holes guaranteed, I'm really looking at those guys that have that offensive firepower and Hagee Mullinax. These guys are a really good example of guys that can step on the gas pedal when they're playing. Well, doesn't happen all that often, but when they are playing well, they can make a whole lot of birdies and yes, they might make a big number here and there, but that doesn't impact the decision-making for me that much this week. All right, let's get into it. I want to make a lineup with you. Let's talk our way through what we like this week and who we want to go after. I will give you the first dibs and let you take the first crack at it. Your pick, Len. Since I picked Abraham answer to win the tournament, or at least picked him in my one and done, which I guess is de facto picking him to win the tournament, I will go with uh, Abraham answer. Fifth last year, runner-up the year before. I don't expect his game to be off like it was in Hawaii for an extended period of time. Palm Springs, not quite the paradise that uh, Hawaii is, but maybe he'll find it more to his liking. Abraham answer, 9,200. I've got zero problem with that, and I will go after the same rationale as you, like I was just mentioning. I'm not worried about saving money this week. We can uh, dip lower as low as we need to find some some salary-saving later on, but Matthew Wolf is my favorite play on the board for the price he's at. At 9,300, very much like answer a guy. Uh, we know that his ceiling is very high. His floor should be fairly high this week as well. Makes a lot of birdies. So I will throw Wolf into that lineup. We've got uh, 31.5 left to spend for the last four players. And like I said, I, I'm not too worried about squeezing guys in this week. I agree with you, Wolf. With Wolf, you were talking earlier about guys who are very aggressive and how nine birdies and nine bogeys is better. You know, he's more of that than 18 par guy. Sure. And we could probably sprinkle in a few eagles for uh, for Matthew Wolf. I don't know if we can get another nine in there or something. Uh, but since we're going to go super low, I'm going to go. I'm going to look at Seamus Power at 95. You know, Seamus Power had another good week. Uh, last week, he's now moved into the top 50 in the world for the first time in his career. Seamus Power was playing well at this tournament before he became Seamus Power, before he is who he is now. He was 11th back in 2018, 21st in 2017, a long time ago. So he found something to his liking then. Um, sure, Seamus Power is going to have a, a clunker one of these weeks. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen this week. I, I like him 9,500. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. Seamus Power is a guy that does everything really well. That's why I like him on a regular basis. There's not really a part of his game that lags behind everything else. It's not as if, well, he's just a long hitter and he's not a good punter, or he's just a good ball striker, but around the greens, he's not very good. He really does everything pretty well. And so in that, in that vein, I look at him – uh, sort of as a poor man's, although not very poor, uh, Xander Shoffley or Patrick Cantley, just a guy that, you know, he, he just clicks in every facet of the game. And when he's on, he can be very, very on. So uh, we've still got plenty of money to spend. Uh, not too worried about it yet. I mentioned this name earlier. Again, he's going to be a superstar at some point. I'm hoping this week is the week that launches him into superstardom at, at some point. But Sahith Thigala, I'm telling you, uh, watched this kid for the first time play at the Genesis Invitational at Riviera a couple of years ago when he played really well. I believe he made the cut there. 
uh jesus about three years ago when he was still at pepperdine since then made it through the corn ferry tour had a couple of top 10 finishes in the corn ferry finals last year he was eighth at the sanderson farms hasn't played his best golf at this level yet but I think it's coming and I want to get on it before it's too late because I don't think he's going to be sitting around at 6,700 on DraftKings much longer after this line. So 7,650 per man. And like I said, I've got plenty of low guys I can go to. So don't feel bad about spending some money. You know, here's a guy I like. Here's a name we haven't mentioned. I always like to get, instead of going back necessarily and mentioning someone we already mentioned, I would love to throw as many different names out there for people to consider. Uh, I gave myself a very hard name to pronounce in Christian Bezidenhut. He's, uh, you know, getting uh, more prominent on tour. We should all start to pronounce his name correctly. There's no more excuses. Uh, He's $8,700. He hasn't played this tournament before, but I don't think there is a huge learning curve to these tracks. Um, the, The one thing I would say is that you have to sort of learn three courses this week. Uh, instead of just getting out and practicing one. So that that's a bit of a concern, but uh, I do like the fact that he's coming off a top 20 at the, at the Sony. I do like him this week, and he's, he's just a strong young player in general. I am looking across the board this week, Len, at West Coast players who can go low, West Coast guys who can make lots of birdies. Wolf is a prime example. Figala, I mentioned him. I mentioned Brandon Hagee earlier. We've got 6,600 left to spend. Sitting there at 6,500 is a guy who was 20th last week at the Sony Open. He's a California kid. He's uh, he, he goes low on uh, sort of random times. Uh, there, there are times when you don't expect him to put up a really good score, and all of a sudden, Joseph Bramlett's name climbs the leaderboard. He's not a young kid anymore. This guy's been around for a long time, but he's got a ton of game and he's got that offensive firepower that I'm looking for this week. So at 6,500, I want to plug Joseph Bramlett into that lineup. And uh, there's the six right there. Abraham answer, Christian Bezweidenhut, Joseph Bramlett, Seamus Power, Sahith Figala, and Matthew Wolf. Oof, ship it. I like that one, Len. We didn't, we didn't go into the 10,000s. It's hard to ever tell anyone, don't take Patrick Cantlay, don't take John Rahm, but I think this is a week where you can uh, certainly find your way with, without them and, and, uh, and have a very good shot to do well. Yeah, you can do it without them. You can do it with them too. I have made a couple of lineups already with Rahm and Cantlay and maybe even Matthew Wolf. I think, in those lineups. And there are plenty of players, like we talked about, who are further down in that salary range that uh, you can – you can take and feel pretty good about it, at least with their upside playing well this week. All right. He's Len Hochberg. I'm Jason Sobel. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Links and Locks podcast. Remember, you can find us anywhere you find your podcast. Download, subscribe, rate. We appreciate it as always. Good luck with all of your fantasy plays for this week's American Express. Here's hoping you guys hit the green.